Join No Better Friend Corp down on the water for an inside look at the state's largest pier manufacturer. This is the life lifetime all seasons right here. This is what we've been doing uh, the most of, and this is a very uh, expanding quickly. This product line. So this is the all seasons, and this one stays in year round. So you're gonna make the ice. Yeah. Somerset Marine, founded by Larry Chapman, whose vision and ambition turned one of Wisconsin's favorite pastimes into a successful business. That's something that's really neat that um, yeah. Larry likes to look out for is he looks at people that live on the water with mm -hmm. their peers. That's like an extension of their home yeah. right. and their family life and to make it so that it's just a wonderful place to be for the yeah. family. If you would be, right. imagine some people have had some really big, beautiful homes and then they really never put much into their pier or their shoreline. Right. But it's really an extension. Yeah. And so he kind of always saw that vision. And that's, that's where I right. spend a lot of my time is, is designing, you know, beautiful waterfront setups for, for families and, okay. and, and just making sure that it's enjoyable and using my experience of living on the lake and, you know, boating and sailing and everything else that we've done as a family, you know, in order to make sure that things are laid out properly and ideally. They work year round on Wisconsin lakefronts, even if it means installing a pier when everything is frozen in winter. And well, the ice will support a crane of that. It's oh, pretty. How you used yeah. to figure out how to support if the ice was safe. We, we've done a lot of studying with ice. There was, okay. There was actually a guy that. I used to be like. Like a, a UW professor who spent like years. He retired now. Yeah. All he did was study ice for his whole career. You can right? do that in Wisconsin. Yeah. Right. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> but but he knew you know how to tell the porosity of the ice and how much the weight would hold. And okay. How, you know I'm how sure. fast you go across and. Okay. I mean because you can put a wake underneath the ice too. But oh, we, we calculate okay. that out. Sometimes yeah. we work from section to section to section. Okay. Almost like when you build scaffolding from one section to the next. Yeah. Um, we'll do that as well if the ice isn't safe. Okay. Like we've got attachments that go onto the steel substructure. Okay. That support the crane. Okay. That move out with the crane and the sections. Wow. So we do that a fair amount too. In the like we had to do that early season when the, when the ice wasn't safe enough to get. Uh, you know. Yeah. To put a crane on, on top. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I would have never guessed in a million years you yeah. do that much production in the winter yeah. or yeah. that you could put a crane like that on ice. Yeah. What's more impressive than installing a pier on ice? How about settling a long-standing Midwestern debate? Yeah. I have a question. Pier, yeah. pier or dock? Or are they interchangeable in your mind? Around here, <laughs> around here they're called piers. Yeah. Um, if you go most other places, it's kind of a soda versus pop. Yeah, okay. Um, I've had this discussion with my wife, yeah. so I'm glad. Yeah. Yes. Some people do call yes. them docks. Yes. Um, in Minnesota, I think they call them docks. They do. That's yeah. where she's from. <laughs> right? That's why. This is the Right Idea Podcast. Welcome to Season 3 of the Right Idea Podcast. I'm Kevin Nicholson, Volunteer President and CEO of No Better Friend Corp. In this season, we're highlighting the creativity and work ethic behind the businesses that make Wisconsin's economy go round. Today, we're interviewing Larry and Katie Rose Chapman, owners of Somerset Marine, the largest pier manufacturer in Wisconsin. If you've enjoyed some fishing or boating on a Wisconsin lake, odds are good that you've seen or you've used one of their piers. In today's episode with Larry and Katie Rose, we'll dive into the evolution of their pier business how they've grown, and how they've created a successful strategy in an uncertain business climate. This is the Right Idea Podcast. 
We're here today with Larry and Katie Rose Chapman, and we're at Somerset Marine, and we are uh, doing the No Better Friend Right Idea podcast, and we're thrilled to be here, and thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. We're very, very honored to uh, be part of this. Yeah, we started the business in, uh, in, in 1990, so I was 20 years old and uh, going to UW-Whitewater and studying there, and um, I had worked part-time doing peers and uh, marine construction during high school. So I had a couple of friends that, you know, we were looking really for a, a, a solid summer job at that mm -hmm. point. So we started our own business in 1990. Okay. I had two partners to start, and we built a barge that first summer out of wood and styrofoam, so it was very, you know. <laughs> what you had available? What we had available. That was kind of the standard back then. Right. For a, for a quick barge. And right. uh, we did shoreline work. We did. Our first job we did the first summer, we did a thousand foot island of shoreline all the way around it on Lake Beulah. Okay. Um, and built some piers and this and that. And so it, it, it worked very well, you know, that summer and then on the weekends and after school, um, you know, during, during college. Right. And then it just kept growing and growing. And, and then one of the partners uh, decided to move out to Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. He had some relatives out there and okay. liked to ski. So. Off he went. Yeah. And then uh, in 95, um, my other partner, he was about to get married and uh, his wife wanted to move and do something different. So he, I bought him out in 95. Okay. And then from then on, it's been uh, just me and my, my lovely wife here. Gotcha. So we, we got married in 96 and it was, uh, the business grew quite a bit, um, pretty quick and... Uh, we were blessed that way. What did you have extensive experience in this space yeah. before? Or? Well, I had I worked in this space during high school. Okay. Doing marine construction. Got it. Um, I and a lot of the people that uh, were on the same wrestling team, one of the one of the parents of them had a marine construction company. Okay. And then we would all go and for for fitness and extra money, we'd all go and put piers in and out on Lake Geneva. Okay. In the spring and fall, um, after school and on weekends. And got a lot of experience doing it, you know, that way, you know, in high school. And then during college, decided that, you know, we thought we could do it on our own. It fit the need. Yeah, because yeah, you say, you yeah. don't... And, and we like the water. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I love the water and still do. And we lived on a lake for many years and okay. um, sailed extensively and like to surf and powerboat and, and do all those things. Right. Um, so the, the love of the water is one and just liking the lifestyle... Right. And, and then, I, you know, I really like the manufacturing portion of it as well. Okay. And, you know, the barges and the trucks and the... Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, that, that's the driver. It's just, I, I think, the whole business. You know, we really enjoy it. As we're having these conversations, like, this obviously pops out again and again. It's people's natural interest, their passion, their inclination, right? You have these things. Helps to have a little bit... Like, if I went out and built a barge out of styrofoam and wood, it would sink. So you've got a little bit of a, yeah. <laughs> of yeah. an inkling of what to do here, yeah. but you put these things together, and I think what a lot of people is there, they see business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, realize this, this doesn't start like with a kit. It starts with an idea, and you really yeah. do kind of put it yeah. together, yeah. Yes. and it starts to make it starts to make revenue, and then ideally profit, which are two different yeah. things, and it can yeah. grow. And yeah. you're talking about that growth. Yeah. So after uh, in '96 we got married, and uh, can I add? Something like yeah. before that. Yeah. Like my perspective was a little bit different. I mean, we weren't married yet. 
but Larry, I think I remember him saying something to the effect of, we were working for somebody else and we said, why can't we do it? Uh, yeah. 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 We can do this ourselves. Yeah. Right. Why do we have to do this for somebody else? Right. And, so, and right. I would say that was a driver. And also, I think Larry is just an inventor and like an entrepreneurial mind. Like he wants to solve problems. He wants to do it himself. He wants to get in there. Right. And when we were in college, like he's trying to balance classes, but this business was taking off. And right. it was sort of like, should I even keep on with college? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and it's, I yeah. don't know. So I just thought I would add that because it was what I was seeing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, so when we got married at, at 26 and then um, the business was taken off quite well, um, it was it was not not easy though because I right. I was a bit of a workaholic. He <laughs> <laughs> was a workaholic. <laughs> probably worked uh, ninety well, to hundred hours a week. Yeah, probably for the first three to four years of our marriage. But luckily, my wife stuck with me. And didn't okay. Me that, which is uh, miraculous in itself. Sure. Um, and then we started having kids at thirty, and I, I toned it back a little bit. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, That's but it, it wasn't without its easy. You know, it wasn't easy. I mean, it was. Right. It was. It was hard. It was. It was the, you know, the proverbial, you know, pushing the car up the hill and. Right. Hopefully, hopefully you crest that hill and it starts going, actually you know, game of whatever, yeah. you know, whatever you want to use, but. Uh, right. Yeah. Larry's always the driver, though. Like yeah. people fell off, yeah. or didn't come through. You know, you get a lot of people that you think you can count on, and yeah. then you can't, yeah. especially in your early twenties. Right. Right. You're right. dealing in construction. There's a lot of logistical things with what yeah. you're dealing with there. Yeah. Um, but he always was yeah. forging ahead. When we innovated our equipment too. Was you know I, I like to design and build our equipment as I've shown you. We we, we manufacture all our own barges here. Right. Um, and it that's always been a, a real big driver too. I enjoy that part of it, and it's given us an edge in the industry to have the best equipment for what we do. Well, I was going to say between your equipment and your product, I mentioned that as we were doing the tour. There's a lot of problem solving here. And you're saying that you like solving problems, Absolutely. but as you're showing me that you're doing a grind down on the side to make sure that the, the nuts square. I mean, it sounds simple stuff, but it's not. And that's yeah. like, that's learning through experience. I think probably a lot of people see a pier in the water and they're like, okay, it's posts and it's platforms and then it's just kind of done, right? But yeah. you're solving problems and part of that is the product itself. Part of it is learning how to do this year round. Talk a bit about that problem solving angle because I can see in everything you're doing, there's modifications yeah. that are taking place. Well. The, the pier industry is uh, in marine construction in general there's a lot of season there's a, there's quite a bit of, there was quite a bit of seasonality in it okay so early on um, when you when you couldn't pound things in when, when we didn't know how to pound things in through the ice in the winter right. um, you'd have to lay guys off in the winter you'd lose a lot of your good help um, you know just it was you know hard to spool things back up in right. the spring you were starting and stopping and you're squeezed, right? And right. you mentioned this before that yeah. you've only got that window. Yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. Seasonal pier install. I mean, we've got distinct seasons in this business, but right. Um, seasonal pier install starts when the ice gets off, mm-hmm. and everything's got to be in the water and operational, and ready to roll by Memorial Day. Right. And now that's more like Mother's Day. Um, people, mm-hmm. their expectations. <laughs> Creep up. Yeah, they, they creep back. You know, it's they like, get excited. Now they start to yeah. what they want. The opening right. of fishing season or Mother's Day or, you know. Right. 
then they're disappointed. So it's not even so much, you know, you really got to have everything at Memorial Day and now even sooner. Okay. So it's, it's, it's very stressful during that time period right. to get everything in and everything in right. Um, so what we did is, is we wanted to smooth out our, 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 our production curve. Right. So then we started pounding piers in, um, you know, pilings and, you know, semi-permanent um, all-seasons piers. Okay. And we do that during the summer and then early fall. And then in the fall, we take piers back out again. Okay. Right? Seasonally. And then in the winter, we pound in the piers for the ice. Okay. So it's allowed us to keep our, our guys going year-round. Right. Good, you know, good men. I mean, our guys are making between 20 and $30 an hour. So it's, uh, you know, these are good-paying jobs. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, and uh, But there's a lot of demand for, for good construction workers, right? Right. So Who know their trade and know what they're doing. And, uh, yep. You know, a good $25, $30 an hour foreman doesn't like being laid off and making uh you know three four hundred dollars a week on unemployment right so you need Absolutely. to figure out how to get them all productive in your round so that they can make decent living it's a huge yeah. transition i mean it's it's strange right i mean not a whole lot of businesses face that and then you have to get a technological evolution such that you can you can go from literally whatever it is four to five months a year to going 12 months a year that's yeah. that's a big difference mm-hmm. when did you Cross that threshold. When did you actually operationalize? Yeah, I'd here? say uh, about not too long ago. Okay, I'd say about three, four years ago, we really started to get where we were working solid full year round. Okay. Um, before that, it was pretty scattered in the winter. You know, we had some work, but not too much. Right. Um, it's uh, or a time of preparation. Yeah, it was more of a time of preparation, which right was. You know, you can only keep so many guys busy. Yeah, and, you know, sure. you're giving it back. You're not bringing any revenue, so it's a uh, right. for a very lean winter. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Yeah, and the technology that you're uh, both both accumulate well, you're you're both purchasing, but you're designing yourself. It's pretty advanced. I mean, what you showed us just in the tour now. So you're running significant cranes on both barges and also two on ice. Yeah, and it sounds like you also have the ability to. This is my limit, but drop platforms down underneath ice if you need to. Or am I wrong? No, uh, no, we're not really doing anything underneath the ice. Okay, it's uh, it's all above. All above. Yep, got but it. We're 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 drilling holes, you know, for where the pilings go, and then we're pounding pilings through the ice into the bottom, and then a lot of times we'll work from one section to the next to the, to next. the next to the next if the ice isn't thick enough. Got it. If it's thick enough, it's 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 a lot better because then you can drive around on it like a platform, and it's uh it's like having a, a barge everywhere. Right. But. And for our audience, these are significant pieces of equipment. I mean, this yep. is not something that I would just naturally put on the ice and think would be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it can get a little bit dicey. Yeah. Um, we haven't lost anybody. No, Which is good. Knock on wood. Knock yeah. on ice. Yeah, knock on ice, yeah. Um, but yeah. as you said, there's. it sounds like you've consulted with some experts on yeah. just the yeah. density of ice, how to measure it, and go out there yeah. and take care of it. Both the... Uh, we've done... I've studied a lot... You know, I've studied ice a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, just saying there was a, a gentleman that um, I've studied a lot from UW-Madison that uh, specialized in ice and just how much strength there is and right. how much force is, is in the ice, you know, in certain sized bodies of water against pilings and whatnot. Um, that that leads into the design of our product mm-hmm. to withstand the ice, the all-seasons pair. But then also that same study helps us to know what equipment can work 
on what thickness of ice with what porosity and you know Got how, how to tell when the ice is strong enough. Right. Thinking not by trial and error. Right. Yeah. <laughs> ideally not with trial and error. Yeah. Right. So and when you're talking about the um, the all seasons pier, which we saw just a moment ago, and for those of us who've grown up around Wisconsin lakes, we've seen it's it's a evolution. People were used to people putting in their piers, taking them out. My grandfather yeah. used to have a. Um, kind of a stick by stick operation. You'd have to go in the water, you'd take a, you know, you put the two posts in and yep. work your way out and work your way in. Um, and it was a process, but now what you're actually producing are all seasons, yep. semi-permanent, I think is how you describe yep. it. Yep. And you're dropping down um, pilots like 40 feet deep. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we do removable piers as well, seasonal right. piers. And we, we started out with wood piers. Okay. We were the largest wood pier manufacturer in the state and we did all kinds of wood piers um, all over the place and decided that we wanted something that was less maintenance. Okay. Okay. So we developed a pier line that some people still prefer to have their pier taken in and out. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit cheaper to manufacture a pier that gets taken in and out. So you'll, we still have that market. Right. And it's the minimalist and the lifetime classic. Okay. And the classic looks just like a custom wood pier, but only it doesn't have any maintenance. So right. That's a composite so, material. That's that, right. Yeah. High density polyethylene right. on the outside and then an aluminum substructure, which you really don't see. So it, all, it looks like a wood pier when you see it in the water. Right. Um, so that's been a, a big part of it. And then the All Seasons, we developed that because that's just the ultimate in zero maintenance. What, now you talk about going to composite material. So those, I mean, if you've been around water, water takes a toll on everything and rotting and of normal wood and all that kind of stuff. And you got to clean it and then repair it and all this other stuff. As a business, when you produce a product which is got less maintenance, longer lifespan, that's great. And you can charge more for it too, ideally. Um, yep. And we won't get into pricing here, but but it also kind of changes the life cycle on your product too. And you have to think about that, right? right? Like yeah. it kind of changes the whole thing. Now you're selling a product which might right. last four times longer. Um, a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about that because now you have to go open up yeah. other markets and right. how do you that, think about that? Well, high density polyethylene, which all of our products are wrapped mm -hmm. in. Um, the beauty of that is it doesn't fade because okay. um, sun is probably the worst killer of wood. Okay. You know, it makes it crack and dry out. And, right. So you don't have any of those problems with that. Um, and, it, and it does, it looks nice for, for pretty much forever. You know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it only fades up to 2% over 50 years. It's got a massive oh, wow. warranty. I mean, it's incredible. Okay. Um, so it's a great product. but. I think what you're getting at, though, yeah, there, there's no uh, planned obsolescence. Yes, <laughs> quite the opposite. Right. There's yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. No planned obsolescence. <laughs> um, so basically, the our our theory is is there's it's such a big market. Mm -hmm. um, we you know we've only gotten a little tiny shred of it so far, and we, we've grown by leaps and bounds. But there there's a lot of peers to be to be built to be built. Right. So we figure, you know, it'll be a long time before you know we we, we run tapped out. out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the theory. We want to right. We want to give everybody a zero maintenance pier that they don't have to fiddle with, so they can, and a good design, so they can enjoy it with their family and spend right. time doing that and not repairing Cleaning their pier or yeah. slivers or right know, that kind of thing. They can work on repairing their boat. Because my limited experience yeah. with boats is that you will, <laughs> you can't fix that. That's not yeah. your job. So I. Yeah. That's something that's really neat that um, yeah. Larry likes to look out for. Is he looks at, you know, people that live on the water with mm -hmm. their peers. That's like an extension of their home, yeah. right? And their family life, and to make it so 
that it's just a wonderful place to be for the yeah. family. If you would be, right. imagine, some people have had some really big, beautiful homes, and then they really never put much into their pier or their shoreline. Right. But it's really an extension. Yeah. And so he kind of always saw that right. vision. And that's that's where I right. spend a lot of my time is, is designing, you know, beautiful waterfront um, setups for for families. And okay. People and, and just making sure that it's enjoyable and using my experience of living on the lake and. Mm-hmm. In each of these conversations, we've asked people about how COVID has affected the business, and obviously the effects are all over the place, depending on the industry yeah. and, and how it's been treated by both the, the real health issue plus the policymaker decisions. Mm-hmm. In your case, it sounds like there's some amount of increase in business as a result, but talk about that. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of customers we have are from the Chicago area okay. or the Milwaukee area, and they have lake homes yep. um, where they either live at full-time or part-time, but... You know, with COVID, they've been basically cooped up in their homes. Yeah. More than average. Yeah. So they're spending more time there. And therefore, they want either another boat or, mm-hmm. you know, their pier added on to or a new pier or this or that. They're changing things to make it better and nicer because they're using it. Right. You know, because... Which is actually good. Yeah. A lot yeah. Of, I right. mean, even, you know, we lived on Nagawika for 20 years. I mean... There was a lot of summers when we did not use our boat nearly enough because I was so busy in this business. You know, you're right. Yeah. You're busy at the time right. you can use yeah. your boat. Right. right. Yeah. But right. there's a lot of people like that. Right? right. So they're out earning a living doing this, doing that. They don't use their their boat and their pier. And their, right. But this year, everybody's home. Yep. You know, so they could go and take a Zoom meeting and then go out on the boat for a Jump few on hours. The boat. So good right. time to upgrade everything. Right. So it's it's been it's been a real boon to our business. Um, we. We feel very fortunate for that, that God's provided, you know, that, that business for us because I got to tell you last March, I mean, I've been through, we used to be very heavy in the boat business. I had several locations, one down in Lake Geneva area and one up on Highway 16 that I sold to the boathouse group. Oh, okay. Um, so we, we were... So you sold retail, retail. You used yeah. retail boats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. We sold a whole bunch of different brands and okay. we did quite well in that, but... Very well. Um, yeah. In 08, things weren't going so well. Yeah, um, right. It, things right. crashed hard. Right. Um, and I... It's a lot of inventory. We didn't have that yeah. kind of inventory and that kind of overhead this time. We made it through that, but it was not easy. Right. Um, and then after that, we decided to, to exit from that business and, and just pour into the... I sold both locations and my lines and, okay. and just pour into this business now. But why I'm saying all this, I saw that happen in 08. And this spring, I'm like, boy... Are we going to go down that same path again? Yeah. Which, surprisingly, you know, even even COVID couldn't hurt the economy because it was so strong after the last four years. Um, it was the response to COVID that had right. irregular effects on various industries. Exactly. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Um, and that we you know we we took during that whole thing we we talked to our employees and made sure that they understood that we cared about them yeah. and that's been I've been very clear about that with our employees and our customers that hey you know we're not stopping you know mm-hmm. failure's not an option right the peers are going to go in the water right um, you'll be employed until my doors are chained we will work yeah okay something you should not have to fear right, right. that your doors yeah. would be chained that's right. actually had exactly. to have that conversation early yeah. on like we had that in March day, right? and I was like it, yeah. how far are we going to take this we need to talk about this right you know, well right. by the grace of God <laughs> yeah. um, the marine industry was spared you know 
think there's reasons for that, but I don't know what they are. But somebody <laughs> lives on the lake. Um, so, <laughs> fair enough. So we were able to put piers in and lifts and boats, and boat people were able to operate and everything. So, yeah. But we were ready to force people's hands if that wasn't the case, because we did not feel that that was constitutional or right to shut down individuals, in individual businesses. Um, well, the amount of damage that's been done is yeah, uh, incalculable. And, and yes, we're, and it, and it, it, you know, if you take a step back, right, and you look at how some industries like your own are exploding at times and others are contracting at the exact yeah. same moment, there's obvious regulatory play there, right? Like, because yeah. clearly some people are able to continue to earn and want to be right. able to invest and spend. Other people are seeing their jobs disappear oh. and be destroyed overnight. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the reality is, as we step out of this, and we're, we're doing a ton of messaging right now in schools, and what an immense policy mistake it's been to keep kids out of yeah. school for the duration that we have. Mental health issues and just uh, falling behind everything. Yeah. And so there were some massive mistakes made here, and they're not all clear yet because mm -hmm. there's been such, I think, a terrible approach to reporting what's happening, <laughs> right. both the real public health risk, yep. what that is, also to like, what are the, what is the risk adjustment? Like what kind of decisions are we making here? Yes, if you are susceptible to being infected by COVID, you should absolutely be right. taking the right steps. Mm -hmm. So other things we, and, and, and that's it, right? Issues, yeah. Totally, but then in the meantime, if we're going to shut down entire industries and create mm -hmm. massive problems in people's lives, we should be very realistic about that trade-off and what it really means. Yes. Um, and business owners like yourself had to look at a situation where there's customer demand, I have people to employ, is someone going to make me stop yep. producing? Mm -hmm. Very few times in history that we have had people have to make those kind of calls and think about that. Absolutely. And Larry led really well in that in that he, you know, as we talked about how we were going to approach this, a lot of times when you're leading a group of people, they will they will react to how you're reacting. Mm -hmm. And so once he, once we had the right mindset and how, and like knew how we were going to approach it, it kind of helped calm everybody else down. Right. And, um, you know, also we care, we have, you know, there's people that work for us who have families to feed and, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. they have children and, and it, it you, wasn't you need to keep going. I mean, it's a big deal to be, um, right. Taking, you know, having that responsibility. He looked at it that way. Yeah. Right? That, that so. people have families to feed. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, many times you're, you're accused of being, you know, quote, selfish. You know, if you're, you know, not willing to wear a mask or if you're still going to work when, you know, this happens or that happens. Well, you know, it's, it's also very selfish to just lay people off and have them not be able to feed their family and go home and you know, have mental health issues and have anxiety and have right. you know, all the anxiety. things that go with unemployment. You look at unemployment and you look at the mental health issues that come out of unemployment. Absolutely. I mean, it's not, it's not healthy. Well, and the arguments that have come out of this, I think, are, are crazy in terms of uh, flipping the script and then saying, well, if you're not willing to give a slightly bigger government payout check, uh, then, you're, then you have no empathy. While those same decision makers are literally shutting down entire industries wholesale. Yeah. If you take a step back and just see the, the, the insanity of the decisions being that first, we can't afford this. We cannot afford any of it. We can't afford the economic slowdown. We can't afford to be cutting checks to people. And nor do those checks replace an income. And they it's, don't. it's such a weird, they don't, they don't weird mindset. They don't self-esteem either. 
well, the pride that comes with work and Nobody providing. And, and that gets right to the mental health issues that you're both talking about here, which is that when you take away people's ability to define their own future, it really does put immense stress on them. And it, it, we've seen that all ignored um, and much to the detriment of, uh, of society. And it has a lot to do with the problems we're facing right now. That yeah, was something you... else that Larry did too, was he allowed the employees, I mean, people were, you know, we were getting an influx of information, all of us are getting mm-hmm. influx of information, everybody's processing, that, processing it differently. People have different people in their lives who are fearful or whatever, but like, um, he really gave people the freedom to decide how they were going to approach it. Do you okay. need to work from home? Do you need to leave early? You know, is somebody sick? Right. Yeah. Or, or and just being flexible is really right. all it is. It's, With schools being shut down. Yeah, somebody had to bring yeah. their child into work. Some had to bring their, their children know. in. There, you know, it's like, and they hang out here. Yeah, find a way. <laughs> like, it's had, really hard on people. It's that decision that we, you know, I think as many conservatives would say, like we want people to make rational decisions and to be able to yeah. do. You're talking about the adapt- yeah. adaptations you put in place in your business so people mm-hmm. can make the right. right choice. Yeah. The issue is that if you try to, and this is very much the mindset of the left, right? Like create a uniform blanket decision that is passed down upon an entire yeah. industry. There's no one size fits all. Correct. Right. You create a lot of harm through doing that historically. Absolutely. Right. So that's one out of a thousand. Though. Right. Six thousand out of six million. Right. So you've got a one in a thousand chance of dying of COVID. And that's very much the I mean, the probability of that goes up greatly if you're over eighty. And goes down greatly if you're under sixty. Right. You know, so there's virtually no risk is my point. From a medical standpoint, virtually not. Well, and you're talking about risk, and I think an important thing to do is think about, you know, uh, citizens of the UK in 1942 going to work and knowing that they might be attacked, but yet yeah. they had to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Likewise, too, parents uh, basically anywhere in the world sending their kids to school when polio was still a major threat and mm-hmm. literally a disease that paralyzed children and yeah. targeted children, yeah. and yet the world had to move forward. And it's not because people didn't care about others. It's not because they wanted to see people harmed. It's because there was a risk adjustment that had to be made in decision making yeah. and you move forward. And, yeah. and again, yeah, no one is saying that certain people that are facing certain threats should make totally rational choices to remove themselves from those threats. The question is, by doing these one size fits all orders and harming society at large, yeah. like that is literally what policymakers are paid to do is yeah. make those tough choices and not right. harm society. Yeah. And I think we've seen at every level of government, people have really struggled to do the right thing there. So Amen. It's frustrating. Yeah. That one size it's very frustrating. All approach does not, it's not a good idea. Every single right. person is different and you can, and people are smart enough to figure out if they have risk personally. Right. And that's, that should be their freedom. Right. To decide if they want to stay at home and hang out in their basement. Right. And, or uh, care for someone who's right, sick right. or has like, I right. mean, there are some people that are hospitalized and get sick. Absolutely. The other right. thing that you bring up that I think is really interesting is that we have somehow become very risk afraid. Like, <laughs> like life has risk. I mean, yeah, it's just a yeah. principle of life. I mean, who's going to have a business? I mean, a business well, and that's risk. what I want to draw this back to is yeah. who's going to start a business? Yeah. Talk right. about Let's, let's talk about that a bit. So as you mentioned, we talked about the inception and getting going. There's got to be points, though, that we're, we've talked about a few. Like, in fact, yeah. selling the boat businesses that you yeah. had to sell, 
that's a rough place to be, mm-hmm. to go through that mentally yeah. and emotionally. Yeah. Um, and then to keep going. Talk yeah. about that process to say, all right, we're going to make a change and we're going to keep moving forward. Well, um, things were going extremely well up through 2007. And this is with the boat businesses, correct? Yep. Well, okay. we had all of it. And you had this too. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Always so, so up. Got every it. year, up, up, up. Like a lot. Like an average of 20, 25%. We were just growing, okay. growing, every growing, year. growing. Okay. Well, we grew to um, about 20 million in sales in 2007. Comprehensively? Yeah. The, the, the whole thing, okay. the whole group. We had this division here where we did marine construction, okay. predominantly at that point, wood piers and seasonal installs and okay. you know all of that. And then we had two boat locations, one in Delvin on Highway 50 near Lake Geneva, okay. and then one in Lake Country on Highway uh, Highway 16. Okay. And all that fed into, you know, just... Really, we had great brands. We had Bennington and Mastercraft. Mm-hmm. Like a one-stop shop. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I was gonna say. All, yeah, right. 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 Yeah. We have one call does it all. Was our, you know, it's it's a lot of people's sayings, but you know, sure. that's one we used to. So you'd call us, and we could do the pier, the lift, the boat, take it all in, take it all out, store it. Um, we had, uh, in you know, at our location down there, we had eleven acres. We had, you know, dry rack storage. You know, the whole bit. You know, all brand new, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that was all going great. Poised, <laughs> and, and, and we were set up good. You know, we were, you know, everything was going great. We had a great right. group, you know, management group. I had a really good CFO and, you know, partner that was really good at the time that uh, was helping out. And uh, everything crashed, you know, in 08, in 09. Right. So we went all the way down to six million in sales. Wow. In 20. Wow. Within a, within a little over a year. Holy we smokes. To that point. Yeah. So you can't really manage around that. Right. So we hemorrhaged cash. Yeah. Um, had to pull, you know, our house was paid off on the lake. You know, we had a beautiful home. We had to mortgage that and put that into the business to save the business. We had to, I had to, I had to sell off different parts to keep everything healthy. Yeah. You know, because the banks too, you know, they wouldn't lend. Um, right. And we had, um, we had a lot of inventory. You know, you had to in the marine industry. So we had about. Every year you get new models. We had between okay. seven and ten million of new, you know, new boats on the ground in fall okay. in order to have enough to sell you know, off of in the spring. And you had to do that or you wouldn't get product in time. You know, Got you it. wouldn't have enough volume. Somebody's coming to buy choices. a boat they want in the lake. Right. It's not yeah. even like a car yeah. probably. It's yeah. And then yeah. nobody was buying. Yeah. So <laughs> Got then it. We, we had the best year ever in 07. And then so we loaded up in 08. Right. And then everything crashed. You couldn't even give a boat away. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't give anything away. Um, and the Illinois buyers, you know, the Chicago buyers, they were, they turned everything off. Like okay. people barely even put their pier and lift in and out. Luckily we had that. That saved mm-hmm. us. Okay. What you're talking about, again, we mentioned risk in a number of different contexts today, but it's the, the risk that a business owner carries. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think there's such a simplistic view coming specifically from certain politicians of like what, it, you know, the fact cats run in businesses, but of course it's all bounced out against these very real risks that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And you have to plan for that. You might have a great year. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you've got people to pay. You've got costs built into your structure, sure. But that market can change really quick. Yeah. And yeah. Anything you have to can change at any time for anyone, no right. matter how much money you have. Right. That was a big lesson to me in all of that. Right. Yeah. No matter how great everything's going, how much cash is coming in, it can go away. Very quickly. So. Yeah, yes. and then once it does, you, you can't get liquidity. Right. So you, you need to prepare for that ahead of time. Right. You know, and just have like a respect for that. Yeah. You know, like. Right. Nobody's immune to that. 
Well, the planning part of this too, I'd like to talk about that for a minute. I've asked a number of the business owners we've talked to. I think one thing, again, a combination of uh, politicians and government officials struggle to fit, to understand like the planning processes businesses go through. Mm-hmm. You just talked about how an election can have an effect on just consumer demand. Mm-hmm. An election can also have an effect on regulatory bodies and that mm-hmm. can change like your ability to invest capital and mm-hmm. to decide to do the kind right. of things that create growth. Talk yeah. about that a bit and like how you yeah. view those kind of risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've grown a lot over the last five years mm-hmm. and a lot of it too. I mean, it's been a very good atmosphere to grow in. Right. Because especially with the depreciation rules the way they've been. Um, when you're buying new equipment, I mean, you can write off right. all of it you know, per year. That's been great. Um, a lot of the tax cuts have really helped small businesses. Right. Like greatly. And right. I'm sure that those are not going to be around for much longer. So I wonder how that's going to go. Because you're going to buy less. Right. As a business. And that's where a lot of the growth comes from in the economy, in my opinion. I, I don't have the data in front of me, but I, I mean, well, you spend a business, lot. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. You might, I might have a slightly wrong, but like if you can, again, yes, write off new purchases of equipment, you can go out, buy the equipment you need to literally be able to operate the other half of the year. Yes. And it's, it's that trans, it's that real. <laughs> and I yes. think that's where people, yeah. yeah, yeah, you might get that little bit of extra revenue by stopping the write-offs, but guess what? That means businesses aren't then operating the way they would, and they're not employing people that mm-hmm. the way that right. they otherwise would. And I think there's I, a couple. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was just going to finish on that. I, I haven't seen the data, mm-hmm. but, I, but I, if you could if you could extrapolate the data properly, I, I bet that you would find that those tax cuts cause such a trickle down sure. that more taxes created through the growth in the economy, through the growth of the economy yes. and the growth of the workers that that trickles down too, that are at a tax rate where they don't have depreciation, right? Absolutely. They're paying taxes. Right. When all that dries up, the tax revenue dries up. A hundred percent. It's simple math. Simple <laughs> math. You know, and, and yes. you learn that running a business, and hence why a lot of the founding fathers actually, you know, knew a thing or two. Right. They all went and worked. Right. Before they yes. went in, you know. Right. Yeah. A growing economy is a good thing for so many reasons. Yes, it, right. it literally creates wealth for people. Yeah. It also, yes, it creates more. Now, the government it may not do intelligent things with that revenue, but it will create more revenue. Right. And I, I'm always reminded, he said it, not me, but it was uh, Barack Obama was asked about, well, you know, what if you if you cut the tax rates and the economy grows, you should get more revenue. And he said, it's not really about that. It's about fairness. Oh. And so... So, 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 so everybody can be poor. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? And that's, I think... Equally poor. Yes. And we're trying to fight back against that mindset yeah, and say, yeah. no, we want everyone to have an opportunity to go right. do what they want to do in life. And that might vary, and that's great. I but, think there's a couple of ideologies that are battling each other. And one is that the economic engine is driven by business and, you know, innovation and the we the people. Right. Um solving the problems and you know producing like producing not just consuming right. something right. service a product whatever um, but then there's the view which a lot of folks in our government right now and a lot of our citizens mm-hmm. think that you know the government has to manage our money for us right and they and will take care of that and they'll be what drives the quote economy they will create jobs, as they say. So people yeah. don't understand that those two different things are battling each other right now, yes. I don't think. So he's driving the economy 
with what right. he's doing. You know, these different businesses well, are doing that. These, you know, these thousand dollar payments or fourteen hundred dollars, if it ends up being that, and the other, you know, last spring, those dry up quick, very quick. I mean, you. What can you even get those don't, anymore? I mean, yeah. when you got a guy, I mean, we've got a, you know, we don't have anybody here making less than fifteen dollars an hour, which. You know that's this type of business, right? But if you if you go and you do wage controls like they tried to do at the end of the Great Depression, which you know worked really well, right? Right. Yeah. Worked. Worked. Yeah. Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> um, but my my point in this is, if you you know if you have a good paying job, unemployment, all this stimulus money, this and that, it doesn't do anything. It's like you know you get a couple of weeks. I mean, if you got real bills to pay, like you have a nice house and a nice car, you know, and you, you can't afford that with unemployment or stimulus checks or any of that. You're just, you're sitting at home, short-sighted, stressed out, right? You know, and our, our goal during this whole thing was to keep everybody employed, right? At a high level, right? And we yeah. did, you know, and, you know, we, we, through the grace of God, I mean, we didn't get shut down and right. everything went well, but you shouldn't have to worry about that. No, and well, you're talking about a scale, and it's so important, right? Like, it, I, again, the way the press has reported this, or politicians have handled it, and it's so frustrating. Between a twelve or fourteen hundred, or or even a two thousand dollar check, even if you're paying what two hundred fifty dollars a month in rent, that is only going to get you so far, and it will never scale up such that no. you can like take care of your life that way. Plus, our government literally runs on fumes. We right. are, it's. It's, it's a cliche now to even say the name of the debt because, um, it, well, first it's hard to, comp or to correctly yeah. compute because most of it's healthcare. Right. There's a whole nother issue. But, <laughs> um, but that said, it's just, you see such a lack of critical thought, especially coming from those who are reporting the news. I understand politicians will manipulate and lie. That's what mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. But you don't see a whole lot of honest reporting to say that, look, right. whether this check is 600, 1,200, it doesn't scale to meet the needs of life, no. but what can is a business that's organically growing, creating right. value and wealth right. for many, many different people. Yep. That can scale, and that can actually meet the needs yeah. of society. And it can allow and people it, to pursue the American dream and right. and instead of getting them dependent and getting them in a place where they're weak or poor or whatever and controlled. And dependent, like you said. Quite frankly. And a free, right. a free and capitalist society will figure that all out. Right. You know, like... I don't know if you've read Thomas Sowell or any of the. Other I have, and I yeah. love him. Yeah, we try. We're trying to get him on the podcast. We yes. keep working oh, at it. Oh, I love that. We'll keep working on it. Yep. <laughs> um, but if, you know, if you read his basic economics book, I mean, socialist countries or communist countries who try to figure out who gets the goods, it's too complicated. Yeah. You can't do it. Doesn't work. It never works. Right. You end up with too many of this or not enough of that or a black market. Right. Right. To um, fill the gap. Right. And so, so my point is, is, is when you manipulate and, and make people shut down, you know, due to safety issues, so you say, I mean, people should be able to make that choice themselves. Right. If, if I want to go and risk my life to support my family, I, I should be able, I'm an, you know, I'm a citizen of the United States, supposedly free. I should be able to look at the data and go, hey, I'm a healthy 50-year-old man. My chances of dying from COVID are just about zero. Okay, I'm gonna go support my family and roll the dice. I should be able to do that. I should we be able have to make been that studying decision. this information immensely yeah. throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Well, and it comes back to, too, can policymakers take, again, the holistic view to say that 
whatever, again, people have to make rational decisions, like we're saying, but then what is the harm that they could potentially do to society? Like, again, industrializing harm and then exponentially growing it through their bad decisions that, that have been made, whether in education or now uh, with commerce as well. I want to, you brought up your team a few times. I wanted to ask some questions. So you've got a pretty diversified workforce. You've got engineers, you've got manufacturers, you've got salespeople. Um, talk about the pipeline of the people that you're getting right now, because yeah. this affects, I, you are directly affected by the education system, yeah. certainly in our state, right? Yeah. Like what's the talent pool coming out? How do you think about that? What can be improved or what are yeah. your thoughts? Um, well, it's a, it's a, you know, we could talk on this for a long time. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> um, we're ten, we tend to get folks that are pretty self-starting. Okay. And we, we, we talk about that a lot in our interviews. You know, we want people that want to come here and work. They're right. going to fit in with the culture. They're going to have a good attitude. You know, they want to support their family and, and do right. these things. Um, we look at that, you know, we, when we interviewed them and, and, and to get good people. Right. Um, it's been a, more and more of a struggle. It, it's amazing. The attitude piece, the skill set piece, or a combination all, of? All of the above. Okay. Um, the entitlement attitude that you see. Um, the lack of. Initiative. The lack of initiative <laughs> and work skills. Um, people aren't being taught the right things in school, okay? Um, in my opinion. Like work ethic, like character, like good character, right? And and just even basic math skills, and how to I mean, which is really terrifying, right? Because I I think one of the things is that the the uh, the language behind education amongst those in that industry they talk a lot about STEM. It, it's right. talked about a lot, yeah. but and I'm hearing this. We're hearing this from a number of different business owners, right? Like. That basic basic math skill set is not sticking, and that's a real issue, right? You know, and as you go to more, you know, STEM and this and that, that's all great, mm -hmm. but you still need people that are that have the right, you know, that are self starters, right? That understand how to problem solve, that you know, they can figure things out and have the drive and perseverance, okay? Right. Because let's face it, you know, everybody isn't a winner. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, you can right. you can tell kids that all you want. But sooner or later, they're going to come to the reality that that's not reality. And you have to bounce back from it. Right. Right? Like, it's, yeah. And you, you might find out you're not good at something. And you right. have to try so something I, else. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, the because thing. You can't, People can I mean, fail. Right. We right. can fail. You, that's right. how you learn. Yeah. You have equal opportunities, sure. but not equal outcomes. Right? right. Everybody should have an equal opportunity. But you learn through those opportunities, you know, what you're good at and what to go towards. Right. And when you manipulate that process and try and, you know. Make do, it perfect. In the name of diversity or you know supposed equality, equality which really isn't equality at all. And it's, yeah, yeah. Well, force equality of outcome right. doesn't tend to work out very well for anybody. It does not because it puts in people in a position. Outcome. I, right. I just, yeah. And I had this debate with the, the, with the college, <laughs> right. with the college right. professor one time, and we were talking about it, and it, it it doesn't make any sense to lower the bar for folks because sooner or later that's going to go away. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be exposed and in a position that you just can't do it. Right. And that usually is about the time you get your first job. Yeah, very much. You know, and, and, and that's... And it can harm people. And that's what we're ways. struggling with. Right. There's too many kids, too, thinking that they're going to go manage or... I mean, 
I think in the 50s, it was what, about 20% went to college? The explosion, I don't know the exact figures. We've done some work on this, but the explosion yeah. in the um, the attainment of higher education has been immense. And higher education means like the four-year standard right. degree. It's right. actually longer than four now, right. but yes. that's been immense. And yep. I do think you're touching on an important point that, um, A, we can't sustain the, the cost of the debt that's being incurred yep. because we have a larger percentage of our population going on for four-year mm -hmm. baccalaureate degrees than we ever have than any other civilization in history ever has. Right. And that fundamentally changes productivity. You take everyone out of full-time labor for that 18 to yeah, 24, 25-year-old period. Right. It Which changes. are prime years. Right. If you're, uh, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's, it incurs a cost. You take yeah. on debt, there's yeah. a risk to that. And then in addition, if there are not skill sets being equipped, the right, at the same time. really suffer. Right. Yeah. Well, they come out, right. you know, with a degree in, I mean, who knows what, right? Right. I mean, some are useful, many are not. And some are not, correct. And now you're starting over, just like you were 18 again. Right. Because you have a degree that you can't get a job in. Right. And now you've got to go and basically start over like an 18-year-old and learn something. And, and you, if you would have done that, you'd have had all that money between in the 18 bank. and 24 in the bank. Right. And now you'd be ready to get, you know, you'd probably be up two rungs up the ladder. Exactly. By that time, right? And that's, and I'm not saying education is bad. It's not bad. Okay, education right. is great, but giving people, um, how do I say this best, um, giving people that um, illusion that they're going to go and make all this money and go do all this with this degree or that degree, you know, when, when really a lot of it's not true. You know, it's just not there. There's a real societal cost in doing that in yep. terms of the decisions other people make, the debt they incur as a result. and I. It's not good for people either. You right. Know, so just like the unemployment thing, you know, that's not good for your self-esteem or your mental health. Right. It's not good to be underemployed or so you think. Right. Or, you know, unable to, you know, have all this student debt and now you got to go take a, you know, a construction job or this or that, which you may think is beneath you because now you're, you know, you have this college degree, right? You know, I should, I should be able to go get this, you know, white collar job where I make a hundred grand a year, but right. it's not there. It's not A to B to C. It doesn't work that way. Right. I do think this is why I've, I've enjoyed having these conversations with uh, with business owners about kind of like the pipeline of education and you know, how it's working because I think, you know, it's like anything in life, probably a system that is shorter, more compact, cheaper, more adaptable. Maybe you only go for two years initially, yeah. get a, um, a core degree and a skill set, you yeah. go off, you work. Yeah. And part of that too, though, is like a, uh, a cultural acceptance. It's kind of like cultural acceptance of Zoom that happened over the past 12 months. Right. For whatever that is, um, there has got to be a cultural acceptance of like a more adaptive and efficient education system so that employers like yourself get that pipeline of people with a skill set and then maybe, yeah, maybe they do go back in part-time uh, in four years after they've been working. Yeah. And now they have a revenue stream, they can afford it, and they know what they want to specialize in, which is different. Right. And more, more. A lot of people don't know adaptable. what they want to do right away. Right. What's right. wrong with finding out what you really enjoy and pursuing that instead right. of just everybody what to think, which yeah. is that, 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 that the mod, the I don't even know if I would call it education, mm -hmm. but like what we were talking about with what our son went through his first year of college, they're just telling you what you're supposed to think, and then you're supposed these kids are supposed to match, you know, to that and instead no of just there's learning no, there's no how to learning. think on your own. Right. Yeah. And like 
you know, discover and yeah. learn on your own. Like there right. should be some discovery. In fact, with our kids, I always said, you know, I just want you to want to learn. You know? The love of learning. Right. I want you to love well, learning. And, I, and I want you to be able to like pursue what you want to learn. And, you know, if you want to go get this book or this curriculum or whatever, that's fine. But there's no like canned curriculum mm-hmm. that's going to like do that. You just have to want to learn and discover on your own. Right. And it's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. It very yeah, much we, is. We want to learn more than ever now. Right. right. Later in life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, you bring up good points. And I, I think it's just, it's part of this is forcing these thoughts into the system that yeah. academia will be resistant to it because they have a model. It's working for them. It's not necessarily working for anybody else, but it's working yeah. for them. And there is a way to make this more adaptive, to make it more incremental, uh, to make it less expensive, mm-hmm. and to allow people to learn in stages throughout life in a way that makes sense for them and their family. Um, I think, well, one of the things I wanted to ask about as well, too, uh, supply chain. You talked a bit yeah. about your supply chain during the tour that we took. So it sounds like a fair amount of it is local. Um, yeah. Talk about how that transpires, how that comes to be, and the advantages and disadvantages of that. How do you look at that? Yeah, well, we, we try to keep our supply chain as close as possible. So it's a, it is a strategic decision? Yep. Okay. It's a tr- strategic decision, you know, plus it helps with trucking and with right. um, our relationships. You know, we've got reps that are close. Um, we source over 80% of our, our raw materials from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, both our, our, our HDPE is from Wisconsin, uh, which is our major, that's our major raw material. Uh, our steel is from right here, and then our okay. aluminum is from sometimes Beloit from an extruder, but we do use some from you know Ohio and some other places. Okay. But uh, in general, almost all of our product is sourced from right here. Okay, which has helped us to to maintain continuity, you know, with our whole manufacturing process right. during COVID because we weren't reliant on you know containers coming from China right or you know, really from anywhere. Right. Besides right here. It's an interesting, yeah. And I think, you know, obviously there was a huge outsourcing push over the last, call it 40 years in the United States. I guess a little bit longer than that, but but yeah. really it's been heavy. Yeah. And um, pretty much if it, in many companies' eyes, if it could be outsourced, they did. And um, certainly many of them have come to regret that in different ways because there's just different, there's trade-offs. Yeah. There's trade-offs. And that's not to say that every decision that's made along those lines was horrific. It's not. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a lot of short-termism in thinking about, okay, what are the risks of doing this? And how does that, how, when and how does it flare up? And you talked a bit about like how it allowed you to keep moving to have a local supply chain. Talk about what that means. Yeah, so since we weren't reliant on overseas supply chains mm-hmm. or even, you know, things far away, we were able to keep going and, it, it it also I mean we like to we like the fact that we're American made mm-hmm. and we try to keep all of our subcomponents American made as well. Some of our electronics are hard to find here in the U.S. We've got a few things that you just can't find. You can't source. But everything we can source, we source right here, and we take pride in that. And we think that's going to pay off in the long run. It already has during mm-hmm. the COVID. You know, because we have competitors that that sell products that are originated a lot of them in China in mm-hmm. China. So they'll get, you know, full containers full of pre made, you know, pure parts, mm-hmm. lift parts or everything else and you know, from China. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them struggle this year. Okay. You know, because it just couldn't get what they yeah, needed to yeah. actually manufacture. Right. Which 
it's been a problem all over the place. Right. You know, with getting product. You know, supply chain was a wreck this year. Right. Now, now we're struggling with raw material shortages. Just because of the volume of what you're. I think just because of the producing. volume period. Yeah. Like steel, for instance, has gone up massively in price. Hmm. Um, the last, uh, not too long, um, plastic has been tough to get. Like our high density plastic ducking, that's been tough. Uh, um, yeah, it's been hard to get raw materials. Huh. Even even though they're local and source local, but the, the companies are also busy. That's interesting. I don't think that I consider myself be reasonably read up in all this. I don't think I've heard a lot about that about yeah. just the raw material shortage. Well, it's, it's the same with building. You know, I mean, yeah. you look at wood. Right. Wood prices are through the roof and hard to get. Okay. Um, anything to do with building um, or you know home improvement, which plastic is spiking, is, yeah, yeah, right. Um, anything like that, and and I think that's caused the steel shortage as well. The structural beams for building, okay, you know, and I think a lot of people are going to like steel studs instead of wood studs, okay, you know, due to the wood shortages that we've had, right. Um, there's a lot of raw material shortages right now, okay. And that's that's going to hamstring business if that keeps up. It also is going to cause inflation because steel is the foundation of a lot of uh, the, things. Yeah, right. And it's up. I mean, last year at this time it was about thirty cents a pound, and right now it's eighty cents a pound. Wow! So it's almost triple. Okay. That's a big deal. Yeah, that is a big deal. You know, you get a semi-load of steel, and you know, at thirty cents a pound, it's twelve grand, right? Right. And at eighty cents a pound, you know, you're talking thirty-two grand. Right. You know, that's a significant, significant, absolutely yeah, significant. It adds up quick. Um, so that that's that's been a struggle that we've been. You know, we're hoping that's going to, I mean, commodities go up and they go down. So hopefully. Correct. You know, yeah. Things change with that. Story. Right. Right. We've, we've so far been able to absorb it and still be profitable, but there, there'll come a time soon where we're going to have to start surcharging. Um, I would, I would think know, so. Dude, that is significant. Costs. It is. Over a short it duration is. of time. And yeah. Yeah. I think generally, if you're paying attention, you're aware of the fact that we talked about earlier, right? Like people are investing in real estate still that there is a demand for improvements. And yep. I don't think I've heard as much about just shortages of yeah. material yeah. and how that's going to affect the ability to sustain right. a, what has been a very badly damaged economy, which is again, yeah. spiky. Yeah. It's yeah. spiky is the way to put it. It's throttling in some places it's going straight ahead in others and again yeah. this is all the impact real estate and, and home improvements has really driving kept moving the bright spot in the economy right which real estate's obviously a very big part of the economy right uh, but you're yeah <laughs> hopefully right. that can keep going yeah so yeah and the supply well getting back to supply chain just for a minute i I think it's an important decision or important discussion to have too because again it's one of those things that the way it gets portrayed in the media decision to outsource like what does that mean and, and jobs going overseas and all the rest of it there's different elements here I personally think trade's a great thing as long as it's done strategically yep. all societies seem to have understood that except for ours <laughs> until the last 50 years right. <laughs> trade's a good thing you need to do it strategically and make sure you don't uh, sell your people out as you do it Right. Yeah. you struggle with that uh -huh. um but that, you know, rational business owners, too, should take a bit more of a risk-adjusted look at how they treat a supply chain. I felt like that was kind of a discussion about 
eight months ago, especially relative to pharmaceuticals. Yeah, well, absolutely. And so, yeah, you're touching on multiple facets of this. There is like just the basic risk to supply chain that touches so many different industries. And like, mm -hmm. what does that really mean? How can that pop up? And, and to your point, like, can you literally not have the raw materials you need to produce in yeah. any number of industries? Now, then there's the intellectual property piece of it too, which again, I think probably a lot of, um, American producers didn't fully calculate that risk when they made certain decisions and subjected their intellectual property to the risk of another government simply outright stealing it. And policymakers didn't really help on that whole list. No. Not, not every one of them, but many of them. Again, it trades great strategically. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. When you look to the future, we've talked about challenges today. We talked about the growth you've had. What makes you optimistic about the next steps for your business? Well, and the future. I think we're, I mean, we're innovating a lot in our industry and we're able to manufacture things directly here, which I think is, it gives us some autonomy over the process. Right. Um, we're not reliant on, you know, other countries for our supply chain. You know, we're buying the things here, we're selling them here, we're making them here with the labor here, um, which sounds very isolationist, but I think it's just, I think it's a good way, to, it's a very efficient way to do business. So I think from that perspective, we've got a very good edge. And I think we're in a, we're in an industry that I think will continue to grow with the way things are going. Mm -hmm. um, how long, I don't know. Right. The greater economy is the part that's a bit unknown and a bit, you know, scary, if you will. It's something that many are feeling right now, mm -hmm. right? You know, will that keep going? Right. I mean, once the stimulus dries up and all the aftermath of the, the whole COVID right. mishandling, in my opinion, um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll just have to see how it pans out. Right. But so far, I, I think I feel good about 21 this year. I think okay. it's going to be a very good year for us. <laughs> and it's trending that way. And we're, we're, we're up already over last year, which was a record year. I think 21 will be great. I tend to worry more about 22 and beyond, mm -hmm. you know, as the new regime gets entrenched and the policy changes come down right? and those start to come to fruition. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, drop in consumer, um, what's the word? Confidence. And, confidence, right. yeah. Consumer right. confidence is going to drop. Right. And when that happens, people don't spend money on high-end piers and boats and things like that. We, we noticed that in 09. Right. Yeah, luxury items. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were insulated from that with COVID because everybody was isolated. Wanted, literally wanted to be outside. And if right. they could, yes, exactly. So that, that was... <laughs> You're talking in real time about the, the, yeah, we mentioned this earlier, but that risk that business owners have to say, okay, yeah. what is a regulatory body or a politician going to do? How much damage could that have now this affects decisions that you have to make on investments and hiring and all these other, and that is that trickle down effect of a yep. bad ideas can seize up economies really fast. Yep. So you always but, have to be looking ahead. Yeah. A little more long term vision. <laughs> right. Well, that's why we're having these conversations to share yeah. with people. This is the way it really works behind the curtain, so to speak. Mm -hmm. These are decisions that are being made. This is the risk, and hopefully to push these ideas out amongst you know everybody. Also pushing in policymakers. Like, right. hey, think before you act. You know, be strategic in your actions. Communicate clearly. 
Because I'll tell you, that matters too if people can actually say to you, here's why we're thinking we're going to do what we're doing. Right. So industries and people can then process that and make rational decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I want to end this on a good note because we're talking to a successful business here. Yeah. But I know um, as much as you can do to share what you shared with us today with, with the people in your community, I think it's, it's meaningful for people to hear from folks like you oh, what you. you've accomplished, what you've done, and what you know. Um, because these are lessons that I think are very important for us to have pushed out into the public space. So, well, thank you. We're, great conversations. We're very yeah. happy to be a part of it and, and, and really enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. the conversations that took place. Well, thank you. Thank you both for having us here today. It means a lot. And we, we're thrilled in the Right Idea podcast to have to, to be here today and to have this conversation. Awesome. Um, and if, you, if you'll have us back, we'll be back in the future. So we'd love to. Sounds great. Yeah, thank you. Well, Larry and Katie Rose, thank you so much, and we wish you the best on a cold February day. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) All right, take care. I'm Kevin Nicholson. Thank you for joining us today on the Right Idea Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Right Idea Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Ricochet, Stitcher, Luminary or wherever you listen to podcasts.